Okay, we are on. Today is just me and Jeremy. What's up? <laughs> and we are one month in. Yeah. We are one month in. Can barely believe we kept it up for this long though. One every week, you know, so it's uh, pretty consistent, pretty interesting. And it's been fun. It's been fun. It's been fun. Um, Yeah. I mean, so one of the feed... So a lot of people have come back to us. Uh, they've given us um, a lot of feedback. Mm. Um, most of it has have been positive. Of course, we have our constructive feedback. Also, um, should note that these are coming from friends and family, and like yeah, sure, we haven't been cancelled by the people outside those circles. Oh, damn it! It's <laughs> <laughs> coming soon. It's yeah, coming soon. <laughs> One of my friends was telling me. Um, <laughs> she sent me a message, and then she kind of like texted, uh, typed out our conversation. Then it was like something like. Uh, Roshan, uh, semicolon, uh, semicolon, or I don't think I should, I don't know whether I should talk about this. Then Jeremy was like, and then I, no, sorry, I don't think I should talk about it. It's a firm. Then Jeremy is like, yeah, Maybe. we probably shouldn't talk about it. Then Roshan, semicolon, Lee Hishamuddin. <laughs> like, and then she was like, can you just like, let Jeremy like, help you? Why are you so psycho? <laughs> just like in the reply to that WhatsApp, I'm like, you, you're a lawyer, you probably know whether we're going to jail for this or not. So I'll leave it to you. Yeah, it's definitely not def- uh, defamatory, but um, maybe not the wisest thing. <laughs> maybe not too wise to, to say, Uma, come on the podcast. <laughs> and now we're repeating it for everybody yeah. to hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so like, some of the um, constructive feedback we've gotten, three basically that mm. are recurring. The name. Because <laughs> it's still unexplained to some extent. And which we're not going to explain. Right. <laughs> we like that it's not explained. Unless you become a special... <laughs> we will set up Patreon yeah, perks later yeah. on. <laughs> you get perks. <laughs> you get the inside scoop. Oh That's one. Then are selling two. out hard already. Right? Yeah, yeah. We're really desperate for... Uh, <laughs> Any kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> then two is... Um, 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 two is the time. Mm. Some people feel it's a bit too long. Yeah, but I think eventually people will hopefully build up stamina for it. Yeah, hopefully. and I think like uh, one thing about me and Jeremy, we wanted to make something that we would listen to mm. and we listen to long-form yeah. stuff. And we know that the appetite is um, low in Malaysia. Mm. But that's fine. You know, we are not... You know, as much as we want people to listen to this, um, we don't really mind if it not many people listen to it as well. It's for maybe a certain group. But definitely... I think if you listen more, you'll definitely uh, build stamina. La. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess you get into the habits of it. I guess some people are listening in it to work yeah. or for a jog or whatever. They'll figure it out. La. Yeah. Like, so for me, when I listen to a, like a three-hour podcast, <laughs> you know, I'm doing it yeah. like on my way to work, on my way back, the next, next day, day on the way to work, <laughs> on the way back and I'm done. <laughs> for people who have one-hour commutes, this will be just fine for them. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, honestly, it's been a lifesaver. Like just the other day, I was stuck I don't know why traffic was insane. Mm. Um, and it took me about one hour, 45 minutes to, to, to reach, one hour, 40 minutes to reach back. And so having a, a podcast, it really, I was so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, at least I can finish this podcast. You know, at least I have that. You achieve something in that one hour, 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but we understand the feedback and we, we do appreciate it. And the third feedback we got was maybe uh, we can be a bit more streamlined in the things that we talk about mm. not go all over the place yeah um and for me i think that's more on me because i'm a bit scatterbrained and i guess to be fair i wanted it to be a natural conversation mm. my idea was always let's have my closest friends come together 
and let's talk about, and not only my closest friends but random people that I find interesting bring them over and let's have a conversation and let's just record it mm. it was never meant to be like uh, scripted yeah produced yeah. yeah it was just like let's have a conversation let's put it up because I like talking to people and hearing about their stories mm. you know that's my my thing then you get someone you discover their conspiracy theories <laughs> and then it goes yeah. on for another two hours <laughs> yeah 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 exactly <laughs> you have these long conversations with random people out of nowhere um, so yeah, so we really do uh, do look out for like the three hour three hour episodes down the road. Yeah, man. <laughs> so what happens is if you become a special Patreon, <laughs> you get from... behind the scenes a one hour discussion before we start the actual <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't get to participate. You just watch our free discussion. <laughs> Some of the positive feedback, uh, which has been fantastic, um, and the most surprising for me was people said they really liked our chemistry. Mm. Which is surprising. I really didn't expect that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's... I guess I guess it, because we are just friends. Mm. And we've had so many of these conversations. Correct. Like when our friends come over to... When we set up... Like for example, Jane, our producer comes... And she uh, helps us set up the system. She will be having lunch. And me and Jeremy are already talking. Yeah. <laughs> about other stuff. <laughs> like we are already doing like a podcast on its own. Until we actually start the real podcast, right. you know. So... Um, I think that that's a basically a testament to that our friendship, mm. Basically, oh, that's very that's sweet. Nice. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one. Um, they also liked it's an, it's some um, conversations that are not had in Malaysia in uh, a podcast setting. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the Malaysian podcasts they are very um, pop, um, very. Well, they talk about their lives, I guess. Like some some people can get away with that if you are celebrity enough, lah. Yeah, it's yeah. but it's a lot of that. A lot of cel- celebrities or influencers coming together and talking to each other about their common experiences. Mm. Whereas for us, uh, I think no one's really got like weird people to talk about weird things. You know, or maybe we haven't discovered them yet. <laughs> yeah, no, but I've been actively looking, right. and a lot of it has been um, um, three people sitting down and they discuss, uh, you know, like how to tackle a girl or oh, how boy. you know how you know how whatever lah, you know, and then. They're yeah. not very deep topics, lah, is it? Uh, yeah. I mean, there are some that they have like... What I'm saying is I don't think there are conversational podcasts right. around. Yeah. Okay. Except for maybe BFM. But BFM also is like, you can feel it highly produced. Mm. I mean, those guys are really smart. They They're do really this for a it. living. Yep. So it's really professional. Mm. Whereas we are like, especially me, I'm like, like I don't know, <laughs> half the time I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, and so, yeah, lah, you know, that's, that, that, that's one of the things. Um... Yeah, so, and because people said that they liked our, I mean, going back to the first point, the people said that they liked our chemistry. We were thinking that aside from doing uh, one episode where we talked to a new person, mm. um, we would do at the end of the month one where it was just two of, the, two of us talking about a random thing. Yeah. So we were thinking, okay, for this month, what should we do? What should we do? Then our idea was, let's talk about God. Mm. Right? Let's talk, course, and yeah. let's talk about secular reasons to believe in God. Mm. Uh, because I'm religious, uh, not I disclaimer, not a holy person by any stretch of the imagination. Really, I mess- think other people would dispute that though. Nah, man, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> okay. You, you. <laughs> I was out for dinner yesterday, and I met um this guy. <laughs> I met this guy from church. Uh, I mean, we were in uh, Sunday school together, and he had he basically stopped going to church. And he's a bartender now. So mm. I was at the bar and I was drinking and he came and he was so nice. He gave us a spot. Then he was like, you know what, you guys want to drink and everything. And then uh, 
he was talking to my friend. Uh, and then he was basically saying, uh, you know, then he asked me, oh, I cannot believe you drink, lah, bro. I was like, why? Wow. And he was like, no, lah, you know, back in church, you're like so holy. Then I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then my friend was like, Jesus drinks as well. So it's okay. And he was like, but he only drank wine. I'm like, what? <laughs> only wine is halal in Christianity. <laughs> It's a half an hour conversation right <laughs> So like, um, I think, yeah, for me, I'm religious, but I don't think I'm like, uh, no, I'm, I'm really not, I'm, I'm an idiot lah, basically. I'm an idiot trying to be better. <laughs> this is one way to come I'm out. Idiot, I'm an idiot trying to be a better person. Okay. You know, that's what, uh, how I would describe myself. Um, and you're an agnostic. Yeah. Uh, with, but your background is Pentecostal. Uh, I think I went to a Baptist church, but generally evangelical. Yeah. yeah. So we were thinking, let's, let's just do this. Lah. Let's just talk about God because I bet you there is no podcast in Malaysia that has tried to tackle this uh, this topic. We probably do it a bit more seriously or like in a very I different I doubt setting. it, man. Because this is one topic I don't think even BFM would cover. Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe. Yeah. So I have a strong I might be wrong, but I have a strong feeling. Hmm. Um, so we were kind of like on track to do that. But then things happened and then uh, we realized that more and more pe- guys were being outed on Twitter mm. for uh, inappropriate sexual behavior. Let's call it that. And so we thought maybe a more relevant conversation since it's just two of us talking. Two of us are guys. Mm-hmm. From a guy's perspective, you know, we could talk about um, like why. Is there really a crisis of masculinity? Mm-hmm. You know? So and we've talked about this before. And like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we have very differing uh, opinions. Yep. The very basic level is there masculinity in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So anyway, we're going to get into that. But before all of that, um, tying it again back to the feedback and everything, everyone has been really, really supportive and nice. Um, so I just want to shout out a few people. Uh, I've been wanting to do this every week, but I keep forgetting. Uh, and so I just want to take time now. First person I want to shout out is, I think we need to shout out, shout out uh, Jeremy Kong, who did our our music intro. Hmm. Um yeah, he's, I mean, he's a super talented dude. Uh, what do you do, Jeremy? You do uh, uh, music pro- production, arranging. He, he does sound arranging, music arranging. So if you have things like that, you know, hit him up. Um, he's super talented. Second person we want to shout out it is Rachel. Rachel Wong. Who, who did the art. Who did the artwork. Again, she gave us like three, four, five options. All of it was great. Mm. All of it was great. We were really, really uh, conflicted. We tidy, we we went down to two and it was a hard choice. Uh, we went with this one because it felt a bit more podcast-y. It works as a thumbnail. Yeah, and yeah. it works as a thumbnail. The other one had a nice like Malaysian kind of vibe mm. which was pretty cool as well. So, um, Rachel is also doing a lot of great work. Um, I don't have her her like uh, stuff that I can... like. I don't have her... her it's okay, you can leave it in the description or something, yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Maybe we can do that. Yeah. And then, of course, third person is our producer, Jane Ao. Woo! <laughs> who's here. Uh, special thanks to Jane because um, she was the one that really pushed me to do this. Who's mm. You know, I was just like, it was always in the back of my mind for like years. <laughs> I wish I started this earlier because I was thinking about this even pre the podcast boom in Malaysia. Mm. Yep. So, uh, but I was telling Jane in passing and then Jane was like, yeah, yeah, you should do it. You should do it. And, you know, norm, your friends would say that in a supportive way. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do it eventually. But, you know, I maybe get the equipment. Like, no, no, no. I'll bring the mic. It's very easy. And she, because, like, she pushed me and it really felt like she believed in me. Mm. So, that was really affirming and that 
made me really take this seriously. Like, if even one person thinks I can do this, <laughs> you know, why not? La? You know, why not? So, so Jane has been a, a, a big, uh, uh, important person in this whole thing. And now she helps produce our, our thing, la, mm. you know. So she's here every week. Fantastic. There was one week, she, no, the first two weeks she was not here. And then I did, we did one uh, session with Aiden Matthew. We should, I think we've not explained. We had done, we done one episode with Aiden Matthew who teaches um, refugees in dignity. It was a good episode because we spoke about the refugee problem. Mm. I didn't save the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't save the episode. And then after that, Jane was like, I think I'll start coming. <laughs> so now Jane... And to rescue our amateurism. Yeah. <laughs> so Jane, Jane handles that. And so we kind of got like a small team kind of growing. Then we got our latest uh, addition to the, the team. <laughs> Sharon has come in. She's our first groupie. Big fan of Jeremy. Uh, she was starstruck. She was like talking to me so much. You know, everything was fine. Then the moment Jeremy came in, wow, silence. Um, I just, think you need to like sign... just like Samuel, you're making up stories. <laughs> <laughs> Mythologizing things. Oh gosh. <laughs> I, I, I'm sh- I saw Jeremy almost like sign an autograph for her. Like he was preparing himself to sign something. I don't even know what that's going to look like. <laughs> every, every time somebody comes, you sign a new autograph. <laughs> I, mean, I know you haven't asked me for it, but I know you want it. Here you go. <laughs> I think we'll have to make enough money for me to be that you sign it. <laughs> Jeremy Lim, long live the revolution. <laughs> oh, people won't understand what it is. I have to explain to them. It's going to be... <laughs> A long lecture. <laughs> yeah, but even Sharon was so cool. She came in with cameras and she helped us out with a light yeah, setup. There are three cameras. There are three. She came in like she she's like a walking studio. <laughs> <laughs> she just came with like bags of cameras. Really good setup. Though. Yeah, yeah. And then she was like, "Do you have lights?" And like, you which know. we don't. She realized we don't have lights. <laughs> yeah. So I brought her like the the pepper shaker light. <laughs> <laughs> Which is completely useless. Oh gosh. You can roll it up to your face. If you Especially want. for someone with dark complexion like me. You, it makes it even more <laughs> difficult. But yeah, the setup today is really, really cool. Uh, it feels like we are growing. Every episode, it feels like we are doing something new and feeling a little bit more legit. Mm. The mics have uh, mic covers now, which I bought for five ringgit. I didn't think you want to shout that out though. <laughs> I want to shout out the mic covers. Thank you for oh, protecting boy. the mics. We have to shout, shout out the white lamp. That's giving us lighting. We managed to find a white light. That's like an exclusive. You can go and look for it on like Roshan's Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing white lamp. It helped me through uh, CLP and now it's uh, illuminating my podcast life as well. <laughs> Not as profound as you think as you say it out loud. <laughs> Not as profound. <laughs> I also want to shout out the mixer. My mixer, Lexicon. Lexicon, you give us a lot of problems. Sometimes you go loud. Sometimes you go soft. Sometimes you add your own little spice to the episode. That makes Jane's life really difficult. But we still love you, Lexicon. The audience will not be able to relate. They'll be like, what is this guy rambling about? Why hasn't the podcast started? <laughs> why, why am I here? <laughs> yeah, so those are all our... Oh, and the last thank you. And probably the most important, thank you to everybody who's been listening. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, humble beginnings. We average about, I guess, if you average it... Per episode. Uh, per episode. I don't know how to... Because the first... It's basically the third episode is still uh, picking up numbers. But the first two episodes, we got about maybe 120 mm. for each one, yeah. which is like really, really great. The third one now, it's about 60 plus, I think. Mm. So it's, it's going up now. And so, and even if it stays at 60 though, for me, it's like still great because one thing is I know like the base numbers and we can work from there. Mm. But two, right? Um, in a society, 
uh, or in a community where we are bombarded with so much of things to consume, for any person to take the time to listen to something you put out, <laughs> when they have yeah. so much of things they can consume, it is doubly, triply, fourthly, fifthly, whatever. <laughs> I don't think that's right, but <laughs> it is really, really affirming and mm. really, really uh, fantastic. We are grateful. We are really, really appreciative. It's humble beginnings, but we are so happy because we like doing this and people have been really nice in their, their support. Mm. So thank you everybody who, who has been listening. Um, there was another, oh man, there was something else we were supposed to do. Oh, okay. Got it. Now, since this is our wrap-up session, we are supposed to wrap up the month. Okay, yeah. Okay. So we spoke to, uh, first we did negative one, which was just the two of us talking. About random, about pretty random stuff. Yeah, we spoke about three things. Uh, Toxoplasmosis. That was the last one. Scholarships. Schol- okay, yeah. And what was the first one? I can't remember now. How we met, maybe. One C represent. People find that really amusing. <laughs> Guys, one C doesn't mean we went the last class. There were eight classes, okay? Third class out of eight is still okay. <laughs> you, look, you look worse defending it. You should say nothing. <laughs> leave it for future I need to episode. defend one C, man. No, man. Come on. I was it. in C for the rest of secondary no, school. No, you weren't. You went to B. Oh, I went to B. <laughs> I went to be in form <laughs> two. Sorry, my bad. Um, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was in B. Um, so that was negative one. Then we did um, Samuel, right? We did Samuel. Samuel was just a fantastic episode. You should uh, check that out. A lot of people uh, really, really like Samuel because he's completely crazy. <laughs> and there are more crazy stories about Samuel that we have yet to oh, talk about. I can think of so many. There's so many. The dude is psycho. Some incriminating. No? <laughs> yeah, he's really... But he's a genius. He really is a genius though. Jeremy, don't look at mm. like that. Genius is a very subjective term. <laughs> <laughs> when I call him a genius, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Depends on the day, to be honest. And we had so much of fun. But of course, we were laughing so much. Jane had such a horrible time editing. <laughs> so we learned another thing that day. Uh, like chill on the laughter. And then right after that, we had some... Uh, you know, we had, we had Aaron. Which we Aaron, didn't which didn't work out. He'll, he'll be coming back. Yeah, we've got him uh, scheduled for next week, actually. We're mm. going to record. And then, week after that was... Samantha. Samantha. Which was also... I really enjoyed that conversation. It was a little bit more serious. But again, we spoke about some really tough topics. Yeah. And we kind of tried to figure our way through it. Maybe we didn't even reach a conclusion because... I mean, I, we all think we all reached different kind of conclusions. Mm. But there was some consensus about how wanting to have more conversations... Conversations are probably good, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we, the only thing we were still trying to figure out was to what, where should those con- conversations happen? Mm. We all said like, we shouldn't just cancel people, we should engage. But how that engagement manifests is another question. That was what we were like trying to figure out. Yeah. Like Samantha was saying like, you know, she has experiences with unsavory people and she didn't call them out. She spoke to them directly. Mm. That's like one way you can think about it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't apply in every scenario, but something interesting to think about. Mm. Then after that, <clears throat> we did uh, Terence Store, which we are releasing tomorrow. Terence also another fantastically interesting, mm. weird, uh, <laughs> odd, intelligent, funny. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, it was a fun episode. The perfect. You know, that's the kind of people that we want to talk to, mm. and we had such a great time. We had a bit of problems with the sound, though. So. <laughs> 
Are we apologizing? Audiences should bear with us as we describe our. It's our funny pain. that we are apologizing <laughs> for for it now because they would listen to Terence one first one week, then they'll listen to this. Yeah. So, so like, it's like a retrospective apology. <laughs> we apologize for what you have listened to already. Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> <laughs> but again, someone uh, super cool. So um, the past month we've done this. Jeremy, any takeaways? Anything you've learned? Anything that surprised you or? I mean, we've talked about things. I mean, I think the one thing we come back to is probably cancel culture mm. and how that really affects the world. We didn't really talk so talk that talk about that so much with Terence. Yeah, but we've had discussions about it and like trying to think about how how we really perceive reality mm. given social media. You yeah. know, some people do pour their lives into social media. It is a way for them to define themselves. I've sort of like. This is this podcast has been an interesting way for me to reflect on that, hmm. and to come to the conclusion that, like nobody, nobody should be investing their lives, like, like to act like there are life or death stakes on social media, hmm. because there is a world out there in which you can engage with, that has more material consequences, mm, yeah. mm, mm. So that's that was my thinking on that. One of the things that, f- from all our conversations, that really stood out, there's something that like kind of, um struck a chord with me was something you said that distinction you made between intentions and, and actions, con- and, and, actions. Mm. and that's helped me orient myself a little bit better oh so th- that one a colleague a colleague of mine pointed out that I, I borrowed so I take no credit <laughs> for that one <laughs> yeah I mean that's fine uh, that's fine but it, it, again in the course of conversations we share ideas mm. and you're like okay yeah that's a good way to look at things mm-hmm. right and I'm sure even the person you got it from probably it's not a uh, uh, he's the most offline person though it was really interesting to get it from him Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's really interesting. Yeah. So, so the the thing is, um, it has helped me in the way that when I look at something, it I automatically I can like can, uh look at it and okay, is this an idea, and is this a or is this a conduct? Mm. And in both categories, there's still a further discussion to be had. Yeah. But differentiating the two helps me a lot in like how am I gonna like you mm. know deal with this? Yeah. Because with ideas, you can be a little bit more. I want to say ideas can be dangerous as well. Yeah, but no. you would engage ideas differently with how you engage conduct. Yeah, you know, and and that has um, really helped me a lot. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. I also have this thing I wanted to share with you. Your own reflections on it? Eh? Not a reflection, but I saw a quote <clears throat> because actually I was preparing for the our God conversation, <laughs> right? And I was like trying to uh, look back at some of my. Um, stuff that I saved in the past. Then there was this really cool quote uh, by Seneca. Uh, Seneca is a Stoic uh, philosopher mm. and Stoicism is, I mean, it's hard to categorize it but if I were to really, really, really simplify it to its bare bones, it's basically, um, the idea is to have a good life, you'll be one with nature. And to be one with nature means uh, to live a life of virtue. Now, you can get into a, a lot of it. Lah. But okay. the idea is the power lies in your you. Mm. That external things uh, should not affect you. So, the, you know, the word, the root word stoic, it basically means people who don't really, uh, they don't get affected by things that happen to them. Right, okay. The ideal perfect stoic <laughs> would be like, he, even his parents would pass away or his child would pass away and he would be in complete control of his emotions. That, that is the ultimate stoic, right? Yep. And there are parallels with Buddhism as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that the level of detachment. Oh, right. right. Detachment from the material world yeah. and that kind of thing. Okay. So Seneca was talking about anger. And then he says this, like this I, I quote, huh? quote, 
Anger is a short menace, for it is equally devoid of self-control, regardless of decorum, forgetful of kinship, obstinately engrossed in whatever it begins to do, deaf to reason and advice, excited by trif- uh, trifling causes, awkward at perceiving what is true and just, and very like a falling rock which breaks itself to pieces upon the very thing which it crushes. Now, I'm not saying that all anger, and I don't think Seneca would say that as well, that all anger is bad. You know, mm-hmm. of course, there right, there's righteous anger. Yeah. But anger is such, it can be self-consuming. Mm. You know, and if it's not directed, it, it really can consume everything. Like, and that the, my favorite part is that he mentioned it, it'll be um, enchanted with tri- uh, trifling things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was something like, yeah, I see that now. When people get so upset, they don't just get angry at the root problem. They get angry at everything. They want to take everything mm. with them. You know? So, again, something that like, it really resonated with me because of the conversations that we've been, we've been having. And it does describe a lot of the way US liberals have carried out their cancel culture. Yeah. The needing to... I don't know if it's to purge their ranks. Yeah. But it is animated by this kind of anger that doesn't seem to be restrained. There's no like sort of rhyme or reason to it. And kind of it's so funny because from an outside person looking in, it's so self-destructive. Yeah. You're destroying yourself from within and you can't even see it. You know, well, everybody probably... is just like trying to find, you know, something in someone. Mm. You know, and it's just a bit silly. And that's where, and I, I, that's the problem. And I don't think they will even accept this, but that's the advantage that Republicans have. Because they, you can argue, they have this, um, not image, but they are rooted in so-called traditional values or Christian values or whatever, right? But because they have a, a baseline that they all they have all of them have to adhere to, so they kind of all have these basic principles that they follow. Whereas with liberals on the extreme left, there's no like baseline. Everything is up for grabs. So it, it becomes very subjective. And so everybody is just looking to rush on that moral high ground and claim it. Mm, I wouldn't I wouldn't go into like the principle. I say it's the this we sh- we should do another should not do this on this podcast, but Jeremy says this every week. Yeah, I know, <laughs> because this could be another episode. <laughs> of a lot of things. Um but yeah, the history of the institutions mm. are pretty inter- uh is what some it's something that's worth exploring a bit more because it's the nature of incorporating different groups. The, when the Republicans seem to have a very fixed set of interest groups they incorporate. Mm. You know, these are conservatives, the evangelicals, uh, you know, cons- I mean, billionaires in certain industries. The Democrats, on the other hand, had decided to go down this cultural agenda where they bring in, they, they deliberately bring in groups that are different, right? And that creates that creates a different kind of politics. Mm. You know, you could argue that Republicans also have blacks and Latinos, but the way they are brought in is different. You yeah. know, Democrats will tell them, you are coming in as a black person to have a black, so that there is a black voice rather than another liberal voice. So like there's, there's a lot of this, the nature of their coalition building is more, is more instructive of how they landed up in the modern context than principles, I would think. Mm-mm. Yeah. I mean, it almost seems like a challenge of identity versus values. Is that a good way to... I don't think so. I think it was... I think you could go into the history of how like uh, the, Clint- the Clinton had to abandon, you know, decided to abandon the social justice 
the real, as in economic justice agenda mm. in favor of corporatism mm. and hence had to compensate for that. They had to build a new base, right? Because the workers were not on their, work, workers were not on their side in the same way anymore. So they had to compensate by having a cultural base. So mm. this goes into the history of the Democratic Party, the way, the way it's been structured, the way it's been changed through the decades. Yeah. Yeah, so interesting stuff, interesting stuff. Again, this is something uh, we can't... We, we haven't shouldn't. even started on the main yeah, topic yeah, yet. Yeah. <laughs> but just one more last thing that really kind of struck me through the process of doing uh, this podcast, talking to these people and putting the content out there. Mm. I realized like how afraid I was to put something out there, <laughs> not to be like called out or anything like that. That's actually one of the things that I'm not <laughs> really concerned about to my detriment maybe. maybe. I think this is going to backfire on me one day. Maybe. Uh, Jamie is trying to keep me in check but afraid of <laughs> I guess like any endeavor or pursuit you want uh, validation from your peers mm-hmm. you want validation from the community because that's a good way to evaluate whether something is worth anything I guess Yeah. but that's not the only way you can evaluate uh, a, 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 a product there are a lot of artists uh, poets who released like wrote or, or painted amazing things only for it to blow up after they died Yeah. right people rejected <laughs> it while they were alive so maybe like 300 years from now, Ruma Roy is going to be... You're hoping it's not 300. <laughs> la. Maybe we'll see some of the proceeds in 20 years. La. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> At least before we die, guys. Yeah, I'd like to see some of that money. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I realized, you know, there was such a fear of failing. And that's a product of the times we live in. You put something out there for everybody to consume yep. instantaneously. You only... It's do or die almost. And we've lost that ability to mess up, be bad, screw up, and become better. Mm-hmm. Because, say for a select few who have the natural abilities to on the get, you know, from the get-go to do it amazing, amazingly or, or fantastically, most of us have to screw up and improve. Like yeah. our negative one episode and now is actually really different already. Yeah. We've imp- I, I hope, hopefully, so yeah. hopefully, I would hopefully like to say we've improved. improved. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so... I, I realize now, I guess, in a weird way, I mean, it's commonsensical, but as you do it, then you realize, um, yeah, getting feedback is important, but also don't be afraid to mess up. It's okay if it's a bad episode. You know, you don't have to take it deleted or, you know, if people don't like it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. The important thing is you learn. And if you improve, then those episodes are justified because every step was just you moving forward. Yeah, There's no bad episode, there's a learning episode. You know, However right. cliche, actually no one says that, but you know, the sentiment. <laughs> it la. can be yours. La. You can say that. <laughs> There's no uh, mis- mistaken steps. There are only steps. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We've got to okay. work on that. <laughs> uh, we'll leave it to, uh, uh, what's the good stuff up guys? Robin Sharma? Or? I don't know. Ah. Okay. Alright, so that's basically our super long introduction. <laughs> well, yes. not introduction, like introduction and also shout wrap outs, up for the month, yeah. shouts out, everything. Content for today. Yep. Discussion point for today. It's going to be a hot one. Though, or this For some people, maybe. Yeah, and this is something that me and Jeremy have very differing uh, views on. So that it's an experiment. Mm-hmm. We're going to see whether this works. Even the God one, so you're like, uh, is this going to be good? <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to do this? Because these are things that we are not academics. Yeah. You know, we, we, we are not learned in these areas. We have like a basic understanding Sharon Chong is like uh, walking around like a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Not supposed to shout it out, Rashid. Uh, oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> Just giving you guys a glimpse <laughs> into Ruma Roy. <laughs> okay. um, so, we've seen... Okay, we know in the world, Me Too movement, movement 
all these people being called out. And now Malaysia. Uh, huge, well, not huge, but in a short span of time, so many guys have been called out on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, no need to name names, but a lot of it is uh, differing, I guess, in terms of how extreme the conduct was. It yeah. differs. But all of it sexually inappropriate, whether it's texting, inappropriate stuff, sending inappropriate pics, uh, whether it's uh, sexually assaulting, uh, whether there's an issue of consent, you know, we have all these things uh, coming up. And so we want to talk about like, what's going on with the men, right? What's going on with the men in Malaysia? I think it will be helpful to lay the, put some context. First thing is we need to make certain distinctions in terms of the conduct. Now, there are predators. Uh, we, we can call them Harvey Weinstein. We can call them the... People who do it repeatedly. La. So, repe- we, uh, serial offenders. Yeah. Um, 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 actually, not even serial offenders, but the the type of thing that they're doing. La, okay. You know, right? Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. Man, that's so horrible. Um, Bill Cosby. This is one category of guys, right? Uh, Not only that they influence a huge amount of power, but the nature of the the act, Mm. you know, getting really underage girls, um, manipulating girls, raping girls, right? That's one category. Then we have the second category, which we call the weird, weird category. Okay, okay you're good. you got to give a bit more context for that okay, one. Okay, uh, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. Examples would be, I would call Louis C.K. Right? So, Louis C.K., for example, he goes to the comedy store, he does a bit, then he calls these comedians up, these female comedians to his room, and he's like, do you guys, do you mind if I masturbate in front of you? Then they are, they are scared because mm-hmm. no one handles that kind of, sit- no one is exposed to that kind of situation. People might be in shock. La. Yeah, and yeah. so you have... Uh, fight or flight uh, response. Mm. So you'll just be quiet or like, okay, whatever, as long as I'm safe. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't necessarily categorize him like Harvey Weinstein. There's some guys that like, the way they are, sec- the, the, they're just sexually weird. It's like, you know, you would distinguish I don't, like, yeah. Fetishism. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. You know, uh, and you see, in his perspective, he was not doing anything wrong. Because for him, he, he thought he asked. He was asking. Okay. They said yes. There was even instances where he would call a girl and over the phone, he would be telling her stuff. Then for him, it was like, you could have put down the phone. Right? right? Yeah. But again, it's a whole power dynamic, whatever. And I'll make it even more complicated for you. There are girls who say yes, willingly. Mm-hmm. Like for example, Sarah Silverman, who's a very well-known comedian. So like for her, she said this, he would say, do you want... You do you mind if I do this? Yeah, sure. Then sometimes she'd be like, no. You get it? Yeah. Of course, later she says, irrespective of my personal decisions, he shouldn't have been doing it to to other girls. Mm -hmm. So, but again, it's like, these are, I feel like a bit more, I can, you know, he wasn't doing anything. You would say it's not as malicious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there are some guys, for example, um, in a professional setting, they're trying their luck texting girls inappropriate. Not even inappropriately, but maybe flirty, mm-hmm. flirting or whatever. Again, not as bad as the predators, but still not appropriate conduct, mm. right? So, that's one. 
That, that's the second category. Then the last category would be what I would call um, real miscommunications. Okay. That's mm. also subject to, I guess, the victims and the perpetrators' interpretations. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. for example, you have people like Azri uh, Ansari. Azri Ansari had a date. They decided, you know, decided to build up the more than that. Um, and in the middle of what they were doing, like, she becomes a bit more, like, hesitant. She's like, oh, no, I'm not really, you know, really into this. And he was like, put, like, not pushed her, but like, uh, she nu- he nudged her. Right? Yeah, kind of okay. nudged her. And All then right. she did everything. Then when she goes back, then she's like, um, I texted him and I really felt uncomfortable. You know, I, it was not appropriate. I, you know, I didn't enjoy the experience at all. Then he texts because he's like, I, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. Because he's a liberal <laughs> feminist dude. Mm-hmm. You know, he whacks all these guys who... who, who, who Supposedly misogynist. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, okay. Anti-patriarchy and all that mm-hmm. jazz. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, he's like, oh, da-da-da. And then she posts everything on a, like an outlet and it, it blows up. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, those are really grey areas. And to be fair, people were divided. Because people were like, you, in that setting, you could see that he wasn't violent or aggressive. You could have asserted yourself and said no. Yeah. Right? And to a certain extent, that's your responsibility as well. Mm. You know, you have a duty to also, if you're not comfortable, you need to vocalize. You need to be clear about your consent. Right. Because when you're talking about communication between a guy and girl, a lot of it is uh, subversive. Unspoken. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a complex meeting pattern, you know. <laughs> okay. Because yeah, that's you an know, interesting way to put it. Because like, it's a, to a certain extent, like like for example, let's say me and a, I mean, yeah, let's say a, a guy and girl, you know, uh, go back goes back and they want to proceed, right? <laughs> well, I don't know yeah, how okay. else to say it. They want to proceed. Then imagine a guy comes up. Okay, I just wanna let's clear things up. Uh, I have a contract that you need to sign, <laughs> make it yeah, consensual. Yeah. Pretty sure that's a mood killer. Sure, you know, yeah. it's the safest bet, <laughs> but it's asking con- consent is not really uh, a romantic thing, lah. Sure, you, you could argue that to some extent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, so I think we need to distinguish between these ki- different kind of guys, lah, and uh, we we can and maybe there's a general problem that manifests in these three different, manifests to become these three categories of guys. We don't know, mm-hmm. but we definitely don't treat. We shouldn't treat all of them the same. For example, no one should be calling Aziz Ansari a rapist. Did that happen? No. I oh, mean, right, they, okay. they had sex. Yeah, yeah. So, they, they, they didn't call him a rapist. La. No, no, yeah, no, right, no. Okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if a really, really, you know, feminist… You know, there are some feminists who I know who will say that you need to actively ask all the time. Beginning, middle, after… Okay. Right? And the moment she even says a little bit, she feels even a bit, uh, show, even exhibits a little bit of discomfort, you need to immediately just back off. Back off. Mm-hmm. And they don't take into the consideration, it's not important to them even if you didn't realize it. Right. Okay. Right. You know, I mean, and here's another thing like, with guys and girls and hooking up and all these things. One problem is the drinking. Okay. How I, I really, you know, if consent is going to be our baseline, which I think is a fantastic uh, uh, baseline. When you drink, right, you can't give consent. <laughs> yeah, that gets extra grey. Eh? 
Yeah. Mm. By very definition, once you start drinking, and it, your consent is tainted, mm. right? That that's that's one problem. And two, I don't know about you, Jeremy, but as a a guy, I realize when I'm attracted to a girl, um, my brain, a part of my brain, shuts down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the part that controls like logic kind of like shuts down. Okay. I don't know whether it's I, just me. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've... <laughs> Maybe I'll think about it and come back to you on that. You know, like, I, I've been in situations where, like, I really like a girl and then, I mean, this is back in the day, lah, when I was a little bit younger. Okay. She'd be like, uh, oh, you know, like, we're texting at, like, 3 in the morning. Let's meet up. I go, maybe I have, like, work at, like, 9. Probably not the best time to meet up. Yep. But because you're so, like, infatuated with this person and mm-hmm. you're so, like, dumb, you know, you, you don't rationalize things properly. Sure. You know, and you go end up driving like 30 minutes, 40 minutes <laughs> to meet this person right. for like half an hour only for you to drive back. <laughs> right? That's really crazy. Right? <laughs> yeah. Good on you though. <laughs> I don't think it's a good thing. But my point is like your normal your normal senses are dimmed slightly. There's a very, um, I don't know, in hormonal, you know, thing. Okay, right. I think I get, get what you're trying. I, I understand what you're trying to get at in terms yeah. of like, how some of these like impulses or decision-making centers in the brain are dulled or distorted, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying that you might not be so sensitive to small cues or, mm-hmm. you know, or even gray cues, for example. Yeah. Right? And sometimes we can say something, but the tone can be different. And it, it changed the meaning of the word. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's, it's, it's complicated. But anyway, so this, I just want to lay that down just for people who are listening to kind of understand that yeah, when you look at things, maybe look at the severity and also look at the intention. And you know what? There's another one that's pretty interesting. There's this comedian called uh, Chris... I can't get his name now. Chris D.A.R.? Chris... Chris... Ah, yeah. I, I can't remember. but uh, I, it's We'll just call him Chris. Go Chris, ahead. Chris. Yeah, but a very well-known comedian. Um... He came, He just came out in an Eminem video. So, okay. anyway. Um, he got into some hot water because what he would do is he was called out for a date like hooking up with these really young girls. Right? Okay. okay? And then he's like, nope. They're all 18. <laughs> <laughs> he has it already pop up all 18 but it's so close. <laughs> okay, he was really careful. <laughs> yeah. So like, people were saying like, that's just, you know, like, shy of being illegal. You know, it's, right. it's just shy of being illegal. That's interesting. <laughs> so, but he was like, no. He's so methodical. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, waiting for that moment. And then like, once 18 candles blown off the birthday cake. <laughs> All set. Let's go. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So again. But, but was there more background to that? Like, I mean, why did he get called out? Uh, like, how, did, how did this suddenly come about? Okay. I, I, there are a lot of things mixed up, but he got called out. It's mixed up because there are some girls he was dating. He treated them badly in the sense that oh. he kind of like stopped talking to them and things like that. And then they right. called him out for like dickish kind of behavior. Okay. And then other people are like, yeah, you know, da, 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 da. I dated him when I was da, 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 da. And then he kind of like escalated from there. Mm-hmm. But he was ready. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready with the wow. 18-year-old. <laughs> but oh, yeah, again, boy. another thing that's very complicated. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know? So, there are different kind of uh, shades, mm. you know. Um, but there's an underlying problem uh, in the sense that these are men who have conducted themselves in what we would call inappropriate ways. Is there 
in, it, and these are problems that seem exclusive to men. Mm-hmm. Are there appropriate ways for men to conduct themselves? Is there a framework that men should be given that are different from girls, which I think they should, that would or- help them frame and orient their lives in a particular way? And that goes to the first and main question. Is there such a thing as masculinity? And if there is, what is it? Mm-hmm. So I think you give your view and then I'll give mine. I think there is such a thing as masculinity. And because the buzzword is toxic masculinity. I think we shouldn't go down to that level because you believe that there's something about our biology that distinguishes us in yeah. terms of how it flows into our character traits. Yeah. So, but I find it helpful because I started to really think about masculinity. I mean, I knew it as a concept. But only when people started talking about toxic masculinity, I was curious with this kind of question in my mind. If there's something called toxic masculinity, what would masculinity look like? Mm-hmm. Sure. And so then I was like, what is masculinity? And I couldn't figure it out. And I was looking generally on Google, trying to figure out, but nothing, I never really seemed to find a real good answer. Yeah, I would think that also the liberal feminist movement has not been good at defining it. Yeah, for Socialist sure. Socialist feminists are not engaging with this I don't think socialist feminists are engaging with this question because for them it's about different. It's not. It's, it goes into economic matters rather. No, than No, but because it, there's also implications when we start talking about masculinity in a positive sense because, we in one sense we are pushing that men and women are same in every sense of the word, that there's no distinction at all, and to even call out differences be- between men and women is sexist. Mm-hmm. But you, but when it comes so when it comes to like performance, we're all the same. Everything's the same. But when it comes to bad things, yeah, only men can do these specific bad things. It, it is a contradiction. Sure. And I can, I can agree there's a contradiction because of the way the liberal movement has instrumentalized yeah. a lot of these kind of struggles. Yeah. They've, in, they've, you know, they've weaponized civil rights purely for their own ends. They've weaponized feminism for purely for their own ends. So I agree that there are contradictions. Mm. But this isn't inherent to the debate about you know, whether this kind of like masculinity is performative or not. Sure. So, for me, what masculinity is, I would think masculinity is a set of traits uh, that are generally uh, present in the male population. Mm. So, I'll give you an example. You, so, for example, I say uh, men are, let's say, strong. Right? Mm-hmm. So, you'll tell me, but girls are strong as well. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Girls also have masculine traits. But what I'm saying is, this particular set of traits are more prevalent in men. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, for example, I if I have a crowd of two hundred people, let's say hundred are men, hundred are, are, are female. When I ask them to sing separately, men are going to be baritone, baritone, bar, bar, uh, Someone else uh, can correct that. No problem. Huh? Bass, tenor. Girls are going to be soprano, alto. <laughs> the benefits of having musicians. <laughs> Great. And and uh, you could you could have girls who do the. The opposite guys will do the opposite, but generally, there is a grouping that you can follow. Mm. And so I look at traits like that. There's a general set of traits that men have uh, uh, in them that partly most that are biological, and so there's a experience, a common experience that happens to men, and that also uh, creates. Uh, you can also have a, a negative experience that as that's why there's a negative. Uh, implications specific to men as well. Mm-hmm. Do you get, get? Are you following me so far? Do you get what I'm saying? I understand your need to look at this in a in a dualism. Mm. In that, if a positive thing exists, the negative thing mm. should also have a conception. But I, in terms of the way I view the world, mm. don't always see that the 
the the the counterpart needs to exist, lah. But I get what you mean. Go okay, on. and I'll I'll make it more enticing for you because I feel that only when we start talking about positive masculinity can we solve social ills like this. Mm-hmm. Calling out bad behavior, I think, is too little. We need to give them, and you know, and this is something I think you you might disagree with me about. But I was thinking about it, and it makes sense why we have a concept like chivalry. Because it's basically <laughs> chivalry is historically rooted. So I want to see what you say about. Okay, this. so here's what I'm thinking. All right, I'm thinking that, especially let's look at the me- medieval times, right? Let's sure. talk. Let's look at pre-Christianity, the way uh, women were treated. You're you're not only talking about no education, huh? You're talking about girls treated as property, not right. as individuals. And you're looking at girls uh, being raped, assaulted, babies being female babies being killed. You have all these social ills, right? And Why did it happen? Because there's an imbalance in power. Mm-hmm. Not only uh, hierarch social power, but physical power as well. Right. Right. And because there's a difference in power, there needed to be a way. There needed to be a method of recorre- recorrecting it. So think about it. Guys were strong. They can abuse. They can hurt. So what you do is you create a story, and okay. you myth- mythologize this mythical man who uses his power in a benevolent way. Sure, he is the knight who is the hero who treats women well, who looks at them as uh, 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 people to be rescued and uh, and protected, rather than hurt. You take a power dynamic and you utilize it for the female, and that would have helped men orient themselves again, because instead of your using whatever you have, um, and getting what you want, you have a powerful story. Stories are super powerful. You have this powerful story to kind of like make you want to be better, lah. We'll know? get into the story Jordan Peterson connection, later. <laughs> but I would say that I disagree with that very sharply because I think what those stories ended up doing mm. was entrenched was a, a, it's a legitimizing narrative. Mm. It legitimizes because it does not destabilize the position mm. of men. Mm. It is a reinforce. Mm. It does give them a role, mm. but ultimately, no power has moved. Zero. Yeah. Correct, correct. I can give you that. Definitely, no power has been given to the. the so female. I wouldn't say it's progressive. I say it's. Uh, At the time, it would have been progressive. No, I think it's a pacifying force in the way that you would push out this narrative so that women didn't on mass rebel because you could tell them, "Hey, guys are treating you better," in spite of the fact that you're not willing to concede any power. Nah, because you have to look at it back in the day. I don't think, you know, the way we look at. Uh, I understand that you could you could so probably argue that. Women couldn't women couldn't mobilize back then like how they would now you know it's so different. But I but you can like it's tough to say that because like if you if you remove this narrative like in a lot of situations if you remove the hegemony of a certain narrative yeah. the the pervasiveness of a certain narrative there is better room for imagining a a world beyond it. Mm. So the fact that it's so steeped in it and we think those societies were so steeped in it mm. we obviously. Internalize the idea that it was it could not be done until history progress. Yeah, so okay, think, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for sure, I give you that lah. Like, unless I read more history books to see lah, but and of course, I'm not saying that women are weak. Far from that. Um, primary, generally, the selection of mates usually rested with the female lah. So there's a lot of power in womanhood lah. Actually, in the way that they, they actually guys deep down, all guys are actually afraid of girls. 
you would not say that for like what's called like the femicide like the, uh, epidemic in Mexico. So just a bit of a sidebar, like mm. there have been a lot of killing of females in mm. Mexico mm. because these like, I mean, these gangsters would just, you know, rape women, have their girlfriends like horribly abused and there'd be no accountability because, you know, if they're not happy, they just kill the girl. Mm. Uh, and the police are corrupt. The police are working with the cartels also. Mm. So like there's there's this massive epidemic of like hundreds or thousands of women in Mexico being killed mm. because there's a pure, this kind of pure imbalance of power. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's systemic kind of like, uh, yeah. but I mean like, uh, biologically, right, a woman have always had, a sp- actually they have their own set of power that's, you would argue that guys, like I can give you an example, like, you would argue that guys have biological strength, but girls have their own kind of strength, which is a bit more subversive. But I can give you an example, Tinder. You can see the power difference in Tinder. But that's because it's built into an app. Try and roll back to an example like in medieval times or like more slightly more structural because these are these because the apps are engineered that way. No, I don't think so. I think Tinder is a good, real, pure way you see power dynamics between uh, genders. What happens is generally um, 80% of girls uh, have power. Um, they pick 20% of guys, is it? <laughs> that means... Yeah, basically. <laughs> no, that basically means that only if you're talking about guys, they will go for uh, every girl, you know, like they, they'll just go for all girls basically. Whereas okay. for guys, when it comes to selection, so basically, when it comes to selecting, girls have the power. 80% of girls can select who they want. But for guys, right, it's only 20% of guys that have that selection power. Okay. So there is a difference in... You could... I don't know. I think you'd have a hard time arguing that this is like a societal thing that you can publish a paper and be <laughs> convincing about. Yeah, it could It could be. Maybe it is a societal thing. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I'm just saying that there are definitely... Like, you see, Jordan Peterson would say that this is what he would call... This is why he says the feminine is chaos. Because when he talks about um, evolution, evolutionary history, he talks about... Um, you see, there's two narratives you can, you can go about. Like, for example, when we talk about guys being strong, right? Biologically, physically, we are we've evolved to be stronger than females, right? Sure. There's two narratives. There's two possible explanations. One, the stronger guys whacked up the other guys. They mated, so you know the genes got passed on. Mm-hmm. Another one is, which is what Jordan Peterson I think would argue is that girls choose chose mates that could protect them because think about it. I mean, back in the day. Uh, they were the most vulnerable. Getting mm-hmm. pregnant is not an easy thing to do. You can't fend for yourself. You can't hunt. You can't gather food. So you needed stronger uh, partners who will be able to sustain you during the time. So females would pick stronger men. Okay. And in that way, the, our frame, like guys now, uh, the way we are built, is based on the selection process by females. So that was, is the chaos. You know, that is nature. That is the selection process. That That's what we, he would call the feminine. Okay. Yeah, so, why are we talking about this now? We're talking about oh, the, the distribution of power. But so, coming back to this thing of the narrative and how I feel, I feel like chivalry, okay, so you might argue that... It was it, a very self-serving narrative. I think it, because you have to think about the institutions that produce the narratives, right? I'm reading a book about like how... Uh, Early, early states that grew up in Mesopotamia mm. created the idea that states were progress just so it's self-legitimized and be able to differentiate themselves from barbarians. Mm. So you cannot underestimate the idea that institutions, male inst- in, this, in this case, if you talk about patriarchy as an institu- 
institution, patriarchy, created the narrative of chivalry mm. purely as a self-perpetuating thing. I wouldn't discount that. Okay, so I completely disagree. Lah. So my my thinking is that um, chivalry was a concept that was not only perpetuated by uh, male patriarchal system, but also by females within that system because it was a force to... Um, a force to... So bring to, order? It, for me, like you said, it was to maintain power. I would say no. It was to... Um, maintain order. Main, not really maintain order, but it was also in a way a balancing of power. It was a balancing of a, a unequal power dynamic. You had men who could use this power um, in a selfish way and giving them a overarching narrative and giving them a, a framework to view or use their strength in a benevolent, healthy way helped to correct that imbalance of power. But would you not say that in that chivalrous scenario, the power still lied with men? So what could women do? Yeah, but in that scenario, there was in, at that time, there was no other structure I could... There's no other structure I can perceive that would have been better. So again, this is, this is sort of like my sort of historical like kind of viewing of it. You're yeah. so steeped in it, you cannot imagine the way out. Yeah. But it's quite possible that the possibilities were there. It's just that we think that men were so powerful, you know, women were so weak, and yeah. hence there was no route out for them until history moved to another phase. M maybe it would help if I link how why I think it's helpful to look at it in today's context. Okay, yeah. So the way, what I'm thinking is, because we've kind of um, removed chivalry as an outdated mode, of, uh, Would the Catholic Church be in agreement? Like, did they? Do you? I mean, I don't know the history. Do you know if they perpetuated this idea? Was it something they they got behind? Yeah, chivalry. Okay, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, Catholic Church position is that men and women are equal but different. So, in that way, they the teaching is that men are called to certain things generally, and females are called to something generally. Men generally are meant. They, well, they say men generally are protectors. Uh, and females are meant to be nurturers. Okay. In that complementary action, you find a balance between. Mm -hmm. And that's best for the child. Right. Because the child gets kind of best of both worlds, the nurturer and the protector. Sure. Of course, it differs. You know, not every person is the same. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, yeah. And so for me, the way I look at it with this uh, destruction of, not destruction, but maybe... The erosion of this kind of... And part of it is also, again, like when something becomes too antiquated, antiquated... <laughs> Um, you'd forget the reasoning or why it was there in the first place, it becomes very uh, stale. Mm -hmm. And it, you do it for the sake of doing it and it, you lose the purpose. And of course, I feel like it should be removed and maybe rebuilt or re brought up if it's necessary. Lah. Sure. So for example, now we, we, we don't have this mode of chivalry in the modern context. So what happens is we have guys who act, who I think exercise their power in really arbitrary ways. They don't really... No one says like, okay guys, you're stronger than females. Let's, that's the first thing. We can't even say that. That's a political statement. We can't even say men are stronger than uh, girls. You know? Mm -hmm. So, okay, let's say, men, you're stronger than girls. Now, how are you going to use that strength? Okay. How are you going to use that strength? We don't have these kind of conversations. And I think that's part of the problem. So because they exercise in an arbitrary way, it tends to be selfish and self-serving. Because you get what I'm saying? There's no grand narrative. Yeah, I understand I understand that sort of desire for grand narratives and I think it is easy, but I'm not somebody who believes that that kind of order can be set. Mm. I don't 
I think even if you were to embark on your project of setting out about this narrative, mm. there could be a whole realm of freedoms that we have yet to discover that will just blow it to bits and then you have to rebuild again. Yeah. So to me, the way to go about this is to engage in it in all its complexities. I think like this desire for grand narratives, even in a Marxist materialist sense, is something that you will be heavily disillusioned with if you could live 200 years because you will see it be destroyed and rebuilt in different ways once, once society changes. So not only, I mean, there's the part where I, I disagree with how good or moral or effective it will be, but the other part is also that... It's not practical, basically. Yeah, you won't get to an absolute. And I think we can, we will get into this discussion on absolutes. And yeah, that's very truth. philosophical. Ebb yeah. and web and uh, ebb and flow and all that stuff. Yeah, so... Okay, I think, maybe... Uh, I think maybe that's our disagreement about the nature of absolutes within the, within the world. Mm. Well, I think that's a good... I mean, it's good... For anybody listening, it's a good way to, you know, kind of like think about it, frame. What, what do you think? Do you think that... Um, narratives help. Narratives help. Uh, or do you think we need to figure out in the middle or, or whatever? Um, I also wanted to ask you, what are your experiences uh, being a man or your... I mean, given our... Even if you argue there's a social construct, there is a masculine construct as it is now. Mm -hmm. It is yet to be destroyed. Right. Uh, and so there are certain expectations set for men. Mm. And certain experiences that are set for men. I, do you have any? I Otherwise, mean, I can name a few, then you can riff off it. Like. Yeah, I think you you name a few because my I think my my experiences haven't been so negative. Yeah. Or maybe like they were so traumatic that I just like my brain just covered over them. But you go ahead. I never. I even the experiences I have, I don't consider them negative. I consider consider them just is. Mm -hmm. You know. Um. For example, when I was maybe fifteen, sixteen, I remember walking with a few friends. And then, uh, there was like a uh, dogs came about. Yeah, I know we passed our time. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do one hour thirty. <laughs> Try and wrap it up in thirty. Yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up in thirty. So then the uh, the dogs came, rabbit dogs, and it was kind of like ipso facto that the guys would be on the outer, okay, and the girls would be in the inner, right? Um, and that has I've seen, and that's happened many. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just mm -hmm. something like you realize, oh, okay, that, here's the difference, right? We go clubbing, right? Um, guys do an outer circle, girls inner circle mm -hmm. to protect the girls. Right. I always found that a very funny concept. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. I, I, and then there are of course silly examples that I was telling you beforehand. Um, I really felt like a man <laughs> when I used to go to the barber and when you're younger, you go to the Indian barber, they always give you that wooden bench. <laughs> and then the moment I stopped using the wooden bench and the guy started shaving, shaving me, it's like, yeah. That was, your, that was your inauguration to be a man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it feels like a foreshadowing of my life that was to come. <laughs> if you're ever going to an Indian barber, barber it's extremely, a, it's a painful experience. I don't, have you gone to Indian? I have, but I don't remember it being a painful experience. It's like, okay, maybe when shaving especially, because what happens oh, is... okay, I could, I, Chinese people do, will not have yeah, their teenagers It's horrible, man. Shave. First thing is like, you hope that they're using a sharp blade. Ah, if yeah. then they're not, it's going to be painful as heck. Yep. So they shave, suddenly they're spraying your face. They spray <laughs> your face with water, so you're like, what the heck? Is you got shocked. <laughs> then suddenly they're slathering cream on you, which is super cooling. Then they're shaving you with this blunt, um, uh, knife. blade, blade yeah. and then after that they are sl slathering on you that 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 um, ointment to okay. like close up your pores which burns like hell then they are like I've had like weird back in the day 
Sungai Bolo Bubble will like, you know, take your head and just like oh, shake it. it and then crack it to the side, <laughs> crack it to the side. Okay. I had one guy who bent my head backwards and slapped my forehead. I'm like, are they training me? Are, is this like some kind of wisdom they're trying to pass on to they're me? Just, they're just having fun. Right? Are, your, your expense though. <laughs> are they like, They bro, joke about it after you leave. Your life is going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> Let me prepare you in my own small way. <laughs> Thank you, Uncle Baba. <laughs> you were right. I'm not sure if that helped you, did it? <laughs> no. <laughs> not at all. So, you know, they were just having fun at your expense. <laughs> yeah. So, just like weird kind of experiences uh, I've had. Uh, what do you think? Are you, do you have any? I mean, it's it's more, it's more, if I can reflect on certain memories, it'll be more the house, how rampant or widespread mm. the idea of calling like, a guy like a girl. I mean, calling, saying like, "Don't be a girl." Uh, how yeah. rampant that was, and yeah. how much that shapes your behavior because you're a kid, you don't know any better. You know, fe- I mean, women. I mean, girls at the time were not educated enough to tell boys like that's not a good idea. Yeah. So we we just perpetuated that probably because like parents also passed no, it down. There were even girls who who would say that. Yeah, but I would think that's more because of the hijab. Again, lah. My my sort of reading on that is that. Yeah, it's a part of the system, lah. Basically, yeah, yeah, the yeah. system the system basically reproduced it even within women, lah. Yeah, I had I mean I had experiences where I would be really close to a guy, for example, like extremely close. Like, oh yeah. You know, we call on the phone and talk and things like that, and that would be labeled as gay. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, which was not helpful, lah. You know. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there are those kind of also negative, I suppose, mm. um, experiences. Because otherwise, a lot of my experiences are not particularly gendered. I have one know? funny one though. Uh, I don't know whether I somehow doubt girls. I might be wrong, lah. Okay. But I remember in high school, I won't say his name. <laughs> this time, I won't say his name. <laughs> uh, Must be incriminating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, and I think I'll, you'll know who I'm. I can't. I think I've told you this story before. Okay. So I, I was a prefect, and I was doing my rounds. And there was another prefect, dude, but he came in later. Uh, shady kind of uh, entry. Like maybe he shouldn't have been a prefect. Then he was sitting in the back. No, he wasn't a prefect. He was at the... Ca- uh, he's supposed to be at the canteen. He was at class. Like, bro, you bet. You need to go for recess. I mean, in Basel, you know, he's Malay, dude. Damn okay. Me. I already revealed too much. Yeah, <laughs> nobody's going to be able to Google it. Go <laughs> then I was like, eh, pergi canteen lah. Ni dah lambat na. Then he was like, eh, Roshan. Kau suka tengok porn I know who... <laughs> I know who. Then I was like, what are you talking about? He like, you want to see a porn? like, you want Then he took out his old-ass Nokia phone. Right. The one without color. He went like, he had multiple folders. He was like, you know, menu, search, folder, folder, folder 3. And he just had these clips. Multiple. Like, it looked like I don't know whether I'm remembering this wrong, but it looked like hundreds of clips. I'm like, go bodo what? So like weird things like that, you know. Mine wasn't that weird, but I knew like the guys in the class had their st- that kind of stuff on their phones. So. Yeah. And to be fair, like we don't have these conversations with these guys. And I think it really manifests in weird ways later on. La. Mm, which we can get into. So the second part of it is the social media kind of thing. La. You mm. know, that uh, the negative sort of Again, la, because in my opinion, there's no grand narrative. So, and to compound it, there are all these like weird negative kind of reinforcements. I mean, I think what's worse is that narratives are being taken over by to those of us who are English educated, essentially US media. La. Yeah. So, I, I don't know about Friends. I didn't watch Friends. Mm. But How I Met Your Mother is a lot of people's touchstones for how to neg- they navigate this. Yeah. Right? 
And you'd be surprised. I mean, I thought Ted was the better person to be. No, he's but, not. But <laughs> so he's yeah. not. And I and to be honest, I relate to Ted. I'm a Ted, but yeah, yeah. I know his his behavior is douchey. And so by extension, again, I mean, my behavior is douchey. Douchey well. compared to Barney Stinson. Because, so yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. yeah. So people people emulate people think Barney Stinson was the person to he's, emulate. He's not. Yeah, yeah, but that's uh, no. I get what you're saying, but yeah. exactly that's that's actually what you would call toxic masculinity. <laughs> that Barney Stinson Barney Stinson would be the dude that everyone called out now <laughs> he would be cancelled so fast now except he's gay so he has cover uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he was a doctor he uh, didn't write the character la, to be fair but you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, that's why it was so instructive to think like the people I went to college with uh, not so much the people I went to universities with but yeah. a no, lot of men did look up to him and I found that really bizarre yeah, yeah, know? yeah. No, but so that, that was the culture. The culture was like, to be a man, you need to like, and not only to be a man, to enjoy life. You know, that's their perception yeah. of a good life, you know. Correct. Having fun, being careless, being free, and doing whatever you want to do as long as you're enjoying one, yourself. One night stands. One night stands, as long as you're having yeah. fun. But we lost that sense of responsibility. Mm. So here's funny thing. Like I, in this podcast, I don't want to be too churchy. Uh, but it's something that is my, it's my life. Like, you know, I, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm waiting. I really want to talk to people of, people of different faiths. I would love to have like an imam come on and like, yeah. you know, I would love to have a chat. But, you know, this is who I am. La, and also to a certain extent, to keep that away would be a disservice. So one thing I can say about the Catholic Church is the Catholic Church taught me two cool things about sex from the day one. Mm -hmm. One is the, the church told me that porn was bad. Okay. Sure. Right? Okay. When I was like in my, my 18, 19 years of age, I used to Google like, is it possible not to watch porn? Is it possible like not to masturbate? And the answer was at that time, and I guarantee you this is 100% true, when I was 18, 19, it was no, you can't. It's, you, it's <laughs> healthy. It, it is, and it is, I guess, the literature seems to say it is healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, but back then it was like, no, it's impossible. You okay. will explode. <laughs> okay. You know, that was like the understanding. But then fast forward, just maybe 10 years later, now you have things like, the nofap community on Reddit. There's an you, interesting critique of that. but we It would, doesn't matter. Yeah. But you have suddenly a new narrative of guys who, like, who have had experiences where who are negative. Mm. And they realize that, no, that I get all these positive experiences when I'm chased. Right? And that was affirming. Again, because it was something that the church taught me. Second thing is, the church always taught me when it comes to sex, it's not even about consent. The church went one step further. Mm -hmm. The church was like, if you, you really want to be you want it's a is it just the idea is like you want to have sex with someone you should love that person basically okay. and he says like if you really love someone it will be um, completely fully uh, unreserved la. so the best ultimate form of that is marriage it's the ultimate form of commitment it's exclusive and all of that just so they just say like so a lot of people will say like but what if we both are in love and we consent and she say like that's not enough consent is not enough and so that was a very controversial thing to say and sure. it was a very difficult thing to say but now the trail of conversations now is also similar. Now, consent is not enough. Now, we look at power dynamics. Mm -hmm. We look at all these different factors. Yep. And again, it's affirming the church maybe has got a lot of things wrong. And I think its um, explanation of certain things have, have, are dated. Mm -hmm. But I think there are kernels or there might be very relevant truths there that I at least find helpful in orienting my life. Lah. You know, I think... I can understand why you may be drawn to it mm. because it's written. It's mm. 
it's codified. Yeah, yeah, there's something to refer to, you know. And I, as someone who, you know, was a Christian, yeah. uh, don't think… I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not crazy about that as a solution. I think it, it entrenches certain kind of um, power dynamics of its own. Mm. And I think the… And I'm not, I'm not a crazy proponent of marriage. Mm. I think there should be freedoms layered on top of it. Mm. Uh, so you would consider it like a uh, re, re, uh, again another social dynamic, reinforced social dynamic, lah. I mean, it depends how it's implemented, but mm. I think, like, I don't. I mean, you would argue that marriage is a construct to control people, lah, basically. In the past, yes. Now, mm. now of maybe it's, la, yeah. now it's maybe different because mm. I, I, you can persuade me to the idea that people should stay together for the stability, for a stable environment for a child to should, grow up. Yeah, for sure. You can argue that, but mm. outside that. I don't see why marriage needs to exist as a, a binding force because mm. I like some I like something Panky Take, a uh, uh, activist in Malaysia said like we need people we need different people in different stages of our lives. Mm. I believe that very concretely. So I don't and I don't not crazy about these fixed ideas. And so for me, yeah, the I, freedom to leave yeah, yeah, yeah. is the ultimate freedom. Yeah, in a way, I would agree with you in the sense that I also don't think you should get married. A lot of people encourage you getting married young. Mm. Um, I don't know. And I, I get it. We have friends who got married young. Yeah. Um, and well, on the surface, I don't know how is it inside, but I think they seem to be having very fulfilling lives. Sure. Um, but I have found a lot of help. Or I, find, I find that I've grown and become a lot wiser in the way I view the world through the people that I've met, the girls that I've dated, the girls that, I've, that have broken my heart and the girls that I've, the girls that I've broken. You know, and it's been a informing process for me to mm -hmm. grow as a person. I feel it makes me more full. Mm. As f my more yeah, my life is a little bit more fuller. We should dart back to the yeah, masculine yeah. experience. Getting back, yeah, yeah. So again, uh the media influences. So mm. we, you know one big one was how I met your mother. I'm not sure about you. Uh I didn't really vibe with uh uh, the thing is my my personality, I have more feminine uh attributes. Yeah, I'm more agreeable. Yeah. Yeah. Agreeable, uh neurotic uh, meaning you feel deep emotions or negative emotions more oh, easily. I'm not as neurotic. Yeah. I am. Mm. I am. Okay. Um, and so, I'm also a bit of a people a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. It's a, Some people, they say altruist. Means you want people to be happy. Yep. And that's good. But when you always do things to make people happy, one, you kind of destroy your own identity to a certain, yeah. a certain extent. And another thing, it's kind of weird because it's not really honest if you think about it in a very deep sense. Like, <laughs> sure, yeah. you're doing something not because it for the goodness of the thing but because you want to make other people happy yeah. you know? so it's a weird thing so I never really vibe with like the Bunny Stinson characters and all that that doesn't mean that I as a man when I've been with girls I haven't been a, a, a dumbass you know <laughs> I have you know again like when you are with a girl it's just like oh, the especially when you were younger you know it's a weird time la. Mm. and it's like a lot of strong feelings and desires and emotions and that you're Navigating for the first time in your life. Yep. Yeah. But one thing I want to say about media is that I find that there are kind of cooler, more nuanced uh, representations of masculinity. One of them, which I want to shout out, is actually the... What's that? Uh, Harry Potter, the, the after that... Uh, the Fantastic Beast? Yeah. The guy's name is what? Newt? Newt? Newt's Commander. How do you know this? Uh, I watch podcasts where they make fun of the whole thing. <laughs> the second movie was garbage. I yeah. didn't see it, but it was I, I didn't garbage. watch the second one. I watched the first one. First one was okay. Not too bad. But I'm not fascinated by the movie, but I like the character. 
The second movie didn't have Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just shout that out. That's a misrepresentation <laughs> of the... <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> but it was a nice character because you look at his character, he's not buff, he's not strong. Uh, he's, you know, not that normal stereotypical man. But at the same time though, he he exhibits a type of confidence because it's a his confidence comes from competence. I would like to interject that, you know, I think some people have speculated that he's like the character he plays is kind of autistic. I don't know no, if that's true. No, no. I've seen I the first see movie. That. I don't like, see that at I don't all. Know. Okay, if you don't see that, that's fine. Because uh, like they were speculating why he, why his perspective on certain scenes in the second movie was kind of off or weird or something. Okay, I, I'm not talking about the second movie because I haven't watched it. Okay. I'm just quietly talking about the, the first movie. Yeah. And I found it a very refreshing take on masculinity because for me, I feel real masculinity should be centered on if you don't want a grand narrative, then a good common virtue is competence. Every guy should strive to be competent, lah. You know, because then we have something to grow. Because if you revolve your life around chasing girls, that chase is eventually going to end. Yeah. And once you you know you settle down and everything, you're still gonna. That's the only thing you're good at. You need something to anchor yourself. And but I think this feels very conservative narrative that like men want to be needed and women want something to need. I think this is a very self... Like, I, for me, la, the way I've analyzed it is very self-serving narrative. The idea that peop, like women would pick men who know more than them. I would, I would mm. think a more just world mm. is where no one was fully dependent on the other person and mm. everybody can come, can, can engage with each other with as close to equal power as possible so that there's no compulsion to but stay you know or leave. That never will happen. We can try. You know, that's why I don't think... Okay, I was, I was just thinking about like a, a physical strength uh, thing. But then I, I just realized, okay, but then you have like police enforcement that kind of rebalances Yeah, so it. like, I mean, there, there could be interesting like societal mechanisms we could set mm. up. Like, uh, I mean, in in Syria, this like anarchist enclave in the north, mm. like they have women, they have women do the patrols mm. so that, you know, it's more it's more gender balanced and that kind mm. of thing. So there, there are ways that we can mitigate that even if you say that women are not strong enough. Because I actually looked it up. Like, there are no women special forces in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. There are no, I think there's no uh, female Navy SEALs. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I wondered like, why is there nobody who made it into like the Marine like Scout Sniper Program? Like, it's all mm. dudes. So, I mean... But it, it's again, I don't think it's... I don't think that's a strength problem. It's more like a social... Yeah, that it's could a, be... It's a perception thing. That could be a system thing. Well, right? You know, one of the things I was reading about is the gender difference in Wikipedia entries. <laughs> what do you mean? So, uh, people are saying that Wikipedia is sexist <laughs> because their contributors are 80% male. And that's an interesting social experiment. Yeah. Again, because it's a free, a free platform. Everybody can come. Everybody can come. So, um, one argument... So, uh, there's again two narratives you can follow. La, <laughs> right? The liberal one would be because men wrote it, it's all sexist. Is it? The, the liberal narrative is basically... They're all men, so it's a very masculine environment. Right. If girls come in, they say anything, you know, they, their view is, is oh. uh, skewed by them being male and then they will silence any female perspective. Mm -hmm. That's the liberal narrative, which I don't, whatever, la, don't think it's very accurate. The second narrative is basically personality differences. Mm -hmm. So, you can argue that biological or you can argue social, meaning girls generally are uh, uh, agreeable. So, they are more hesitant in uh, contributing to a platform for fear that it might be wrong or you might it might be a mistake and you might lead someone on sure. or something. Whereas a man generally would be more confident and they just like 
lanta you know just do whatever you know so it could be these kind of differences that you know, and it's interesting because that could again really inform how we look at all these other things you know that it's not just um again patriarchal system that props up men put down women there are other things at play as well uh, for me yeah but my contention is that those are not biologically rooted those are socially constructed uh. mm. i mean because it's through the generations yeah. i mean you know it it is so much of the world that feeds back like especially the role of parents in a lot of reinforcing general sure. roles yeah. for me is a big factor on why we land up in these situations your statistics could be 100% true yeah. but that doesn't mean that i mean that doesn't mean that you know this is the way the world has to be will be and will always be yeah again uh, just going back to the, um, the fantastic beast uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can uh, my my thing is just that it was interesting to see a hero a masculine hero portrayed uh, where his competence was really because what makes him uh, his the strength of his character is not a physical attribute but it's his intelligence and it's the way he is able to handle animals and things like that so it's really a focus on competence which i found uh, intriguing okay uh, i mean you might argue the value of it but i'm just saying that a different perspective of masculinity about a man you know they don't always have to be the stoic kind of like mm-hmm. uh, you know muscular like this Brad Pitt's and uh, I don't think you're thinking about Brad Pitt because the more the more interesting example is uh male characters in Disney male characters in Disney sort of fit a certain kind of type where yeah. they look a certain way right yeah. and so another like funny and a bit sad thing is that like we used to objectify women so much right and there was a big blowback but now we do the same thing for guys in what way um there are crazy uh, expectations of guys in the the body physique now oh okay you know you know and we have the girls doing it right mm-hmm. and again it's also really not healthy because if you talk to you watch any interviews of these guys who talk about the workout process to get that fit yo it's not they all of them like no if it was not for my job i wouldn't do this mm-hmm. it's not worth it because they have to do crazy things like they have to stop drinking water <laughs> to you know to dehydrate so it, the muscles pop out right. it only sustains for a few hours and that's the physique that we push mm-hmm. i'm not going to be this whole like you know i'm not trying to say like ah oh, you know because this is not about health this is about the way people look yeah. right and i'm not trying to again display i'm not just saying like oh look at the hypocrisy of females it's not about that but i'm saying like yeah it was a good thing that we pointed out that uh, girls shouldn't be stereotyped in a particular fashion uh, we shouldn't be like only f- looking at them as objects or uh, media or something to be consumed but we should also extend the same courtesy to men lah because we are taking it down uh, uh, down a uh, dark i mean we're taking it down a bad path lah maybe it's the spe- the specificity of your encounters but i'm i've I'm met a sh- lot of sh- guys now who are super self aware no but how many of that is women like actively wanting it because sure media can actually perpetuate the idea that this is what women want mm. even though they haven't done a survey of what women want they've actually yeah. manufactured it through the media right okay i don't know i've met a lot of girls who are like who are like that lah like oh. really literally kind of drooling no insult to any of these girls i find it funny lah but they are literally drooling over like uh, okay. you know captain america or right. thor Oh, those guys are huge man there's it's so difficult to get to the, you need to do it as a full time job it's not realistic and i'm sure a lot of girls in their normal uh dating they wouldn't expect that they'd rather have an accountant that makes six figures <laughs> like right? yeah they, they like a bit of that dad bod right but you know for guys it doesn't matter 
You know, even guys would say like for girls, right? They don't want anything insane. They don't need a Kim Kardashian. You know, some a lot of guys would say like, we, we are good with love handles and mm-hmm. we are okay with you being a bit thick. You don't have to be skinny, you know? But like we put that on ourselves when we see it on screen, when that becomes the prime kind of like Example, uh, benchmark uh, of a beauty or, or masculinity or whatever. So, I mean, there's, so just to segue into the next one, mm. do you think that leads to a kind of crisis in masculinity? Definitely. I think so. How would you define, how would you define like the person experiencing this crisis? Because like, I don't think I'm an example of this. Mm. I don't think even… See, that, I yeah. think you don't have a crisis of masculinity because you're competent. And okay. you have a way of uh, a thing to kind of anchor you in your competence. Sure. Right? So for you, right, irrespective of whether you get a girl or don't get a girl or whatever, it doesn't matter because your fulfillment comes in your, your competence, in being good in something, in, in working on something and finding the beauty in that. Right. Like, people start off becoming guitarists because they think they can get all the girls. <laughs> they stay guitarists because they love the art. And then even the girls come, they are too busy practicing their music. Yeah. Well, for most of them. <laughs> Some of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and so, I think a lot of guys, the reason why there's this crisis of masculinity is because, one, we don't talk about what masculinity is. We don't even talk about it, whether it exists. We don't even talk about whether it exists. But, so what's funny is that, why isn't, I mean, it's interesting to flip it on its head, right? Why mm. aren't women experiencing like this existential crisis for meaning? Because I don't think you're pointing towards like what you've described is more meaning as like mm. or my competence as the centering of mm. my masculinity, mm. right? But it seems to be more about meaning and this is what Jordan Peterson tries to offer to people as well. Yeah. So why do you think women are not experiencing the same, the same kind of crisis? Two things lah. One, <clears throat> the power imbalance. So you think it's more with women now? The power. Uh. Uh, no, I think that men, what we see is men, uh, uh, masculine traits that are sort of perverse. That means they are not regulated by any sort of okay. over, overarching arc. Mm-hmm. Then the second point is, girls and guys are different in this very important aspect. Girls get pregnant and they are on a biological clock. Most girls, this is their experience. They mm-hmm. want to have a child. They want to get married. They want to have a child and they want to do it usually as reasonably young as possible. A lot of girls, I mean, from my experience talking to them, they're looking at 26, 27. Uh, that's if you're you, non-Malay. If you're Malay, usually it's younger. They're looking at like 18, 19, 20, 21, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and the, because of that uh, uh, constraint timeline that they're working on, they are forced to mature at a more rapid pace. Guys are not, don't have that timeline. Okay. And because of that, they are, and because we know overarching story or no concept to, or no, okay, don't, let's stop, don't talk about story. But because they don't have any framework to look at, they don't have any goal, mm-hmm. right? The, all their goal is, is to hook up. That's the, okay, all they have. Yeah. And it's a day-to-day thing. They have no long goal. So, it manifests in a lot of guys being extremely irresponsible. I would say the crisis of masculinity when it comes to... This sounds like more for you... I mean, and again, being an ex-Christian, this sounds more like the crisis of secularism. It sounds like it's a... It, it seems like a conservative critique of the modern world having destroyed all structures and putting nothing back in its place. I won't say that. I would say that one of the benefits of having religious structures were they gave you these things. Lah. And now that it's gone, well, kind of gone, mm-hmm. there needs to be a, something. Lah. Right. Right. There needs to be something else that comes about. So, what? Voila. I think that is, and it's come is Jordan Peterson. I think that's really the <laughs> that's really the um, the pull of Jordan Peterson. We're kind of running out of time, but I, 
we've been talking about Jordan Peterson <laughs> a while now, right? So I just maybe for and I feeling that we're going to talk about him as we go along. So just to give everyone a view, uh, me and Jeremy have really differing views on this guy. Um, I'm for he's a kind of against. Yep. And um, Jordan Peterson basically is a guy from he's a clinical psychologist from Canada. He rose to prominence because um, he refused. Because Canada had done a uh, put in legislation to mandate neutral speech, uh, um, non non, basically to by f- by threat of law you were supposed to use someone's the preferred, preferred pronouns. pronouns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he rose to prominence because he refused. He said like basically states shouldn't mandate my my yeah, speech. I found an interesting defense. He said that he will use it, yeah. but he refused to be compelled to use it. Uh, yeah, I think that's reasonable uh, yeah. anyway I, let's not go into deep stuff but just want to give an outline and so then he he, he became famous about that, about that but then he stayed because of uh, um, the the I think he the the veracity of his interviews la, really put him up and gave him more of and a platform how terrible a lot of the hosts were. yeah he kind so of re- liberal they were yeah. such idiots so it, they it, were so unprepared yeah 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 so Jordan Peterson is a very whatever you want to say about him, he's an intellectual dude, smart dude lah. I mean, uh, he's well read. Uh, he is. We'll, we'll 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 get. I mean, we can. I get mean, he's that. like a Harvard grad. The, I mean, I mean the the neo the what postmodern neo Marxist is a big is, <laughs> is a big problem. Okay, he's not the best in political theory lah. That's what I would he say. Should not have ventured. Yeah. There. But he's a accomplished clinical psychologist. His credentials are legit. He can give you advice in your marriage, not about capitalism. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I definitely <laughs> would agree with that. And um, well, yeah, so he talks a lot about uh, these concepts. Uh, he he had a big attraction, a big a, a group, large group of guys really started vibing with his stuff on YouTube. He has all his uh, lectures on YouTube, which you can go check out. He started talking about like secular secular ways to look at biblical stories and archetypal stories and myths and kind of deconstructing them. All these things, which I find quite fascinating. Uh, Jeremy finds trite. Uh, I think, I mean, I'll just this is a very short spiel. Yeah. Try and wrap it up in one minute. Sure. Because there is a there is a need for that kind of guidance because, I and I would agree that secularism has failed mm. to provide good alternatives. Mm. You know, and the only liberal alternative is that school of life YouTube video where the, <laughs> that friend that Alan Alan Deboton. Yeah. So he is attempting to do this. He does a good job. He uh, does a good job. I think. I think he does his best, but I think it's misguided. But, you know, let's not get into that specifically. Mm, mm. So I think Jordan Peterson does fill this role of a father figure. Mm. But for me and a lot of leftists, this is just a, this is just a masquerade mm. for restoring a conservative order. To us, because it looks like when you peel the layers of data, narratives and all that, mm. what it ultimately points to, its base premises mm. are nature has... Nature has created a world like this mm. and we should stick to it and this is the way the world will be. It's not mm. progressive. It harkens back to a, 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 a sort of like position in the past mm. that used to be better. Yeah, and my my side or how I, why I think Jordan Peterson is so intriguing in terms of masculinity, which is what we're talking about now, is that he's giving these guys an overarching narrative. He is calling them to own their masculinity. He's calling them to become heroes instead of victims. He's giving them something to strive for to kind of transcend uh, whatever they're going through. And that is really powerful because it will, whatever you can dispute the 
the um, le- legitimacy of his arguments or whatever but it's very powerful when you give people men things to strive for and it will help with the toxic masculinity pr- problem that's for sure because you are calling guys to be basically to become more responsible in every area of their life and so in that way it is a solution you can maybe argue the diagnosis but i'm very sure the effect will be a positive effect lah i think the positive will be the li- the positive effects will be very limited because mm. of everything else that's attached to whatever he presents mm. the social darwinism you know mm. the idea that we are we should tend towards a nature kind of state Mm. so far as that you know people used to do this back when we were primates mm. we do it now because of things there's no there's no capacity to see any kind of transcendence and that's why i think it is it it does mask conservative narratives for restoration so i think it will be positive in terms of stabilizing these young people's lives mm. but the political implications that come mm. out of it you know they're mm. not going they're going to be pretty hostile to mm. liberal feminists and you know mm. if If you imagine that the future is a sort of more tamed down version of liberal feminism, mm. we've worked out the kinks. They're not as angry or crazy. Mm. These men might still be hostile to that altered version, mm. and that might not be a positive thing. So, mm. that for me is why I think that's why I think socialist the socialist left has decided that he is worthy of engaging in mm. because there are wider consequences than just people cleaning their room. Mm. Okay, great. Uh fantastic. I love this discussion. A lot of things again we can talk about in separate discussions. I don't know if we're going to be able to even sum up because no? <laughs> this this went a very long. No, I think places. I think what we can agree on is there's definitely um there's a vacuum. There's a vacuum lah yeah. and we're just arguing uh what's going to fill the vacuum. Correct. And we have two different op- uh opinions about how this vacuum needs to be filled. But for all the people out there, you need to first realize that there's a vacuum lah. Yeah, there are a lot of defranchised men, and we cannot just sum it up to like a really simple explanation. That Although I will say, don't be Barney Stinson. Ah, yeah, I that's think we, <laughs> we can all agree. Don't be. Why is Barney Stinson not be cancelled? I'm surprised. But anyway, I mean, he's an actor. <laughs> the <laughs> character should be. Can- I mean, the, I don't know how. Following their theory, they would. I mean, never mind. Never mind. That's not okay. Um, All right, so I think we are done. We Thank you for all the people who decided to like <laughs> stick through that. I uh, hope this was entertaining a little bit. A little bit, and we are done. Finish.